What's going on everybody and welcome back, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Welcome to the the podcast guys, I've got a topic I wanted to talk about and it's veganism Um, and then we're going to go into some Q&A's. I've got a pretty decent uh, note on veganism and just, this is no means an attack on veganism, this is just merely talking about the topic as I think a lot of people get caught up in the idea of veganism especially with the whole environmental issues especially with the health and everything so I want to kind of shed a little bit of light onto these things and just go over everything now first and foremost I realize I'm a single host podcast host Um, so a lot of you who are vegan a lot of you who may know more than me about this are going to be screaming at me and I don't have anyone to correct me make me right or anything like that so some of this information may be right, but from what I may be wrong, sorry, but from what I've read, from what I've heard, from what I've listened to, from what I've read in the science journals, this is a comprehensive view of veganism across across the world. First of all, let's start off with some benefits of going vegan. So there's a lot of benefits of going vegan, um, especially considering that most people undereat. Um, and a big, big thing that people tend to get when they go vegan is, oh, I, f- I feel so great. I feel, I feel this. I feel that. Well, more often than not, that actually comes because they're lacking something in their diet. And now that they're going to veganism, inevitably your vegetables go up, your micronutrition goes up, and everything in terms of uh, vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients all go up. So you might find an initial positive reaction um, because you've introduced more micronutrients. Another reason why you might get an initial positive reaction is the opposite. You may have removed foods that are causing you problems. You know, what do you do when you go vegan? Vegan, realistically speaking, you take out all, you know, a lot of processed food and a lot of unhealthy junk food. Um, and a lot of things that are processed and got additives and and immediately you take those things away. So, you know, a lot of people who have this 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 epiphany of oh my god, I feel so much better when I'm vegan. Vegan must be this. Vegan must be that. Let's look at it a little bit more depth. You know, are, were you missing something before that you've now added? Were you eating something before that was harming you and now that you've reduced that? Um, two things that are really, really important to take from because I think a lot of people get that initial reaction from veganism. A lot of people get the opposite. A lot of people feel rubbish and that's because they're taking away things that that they actually need. Um, But being vegan, it requires effort in my opinion and it requires knowledge and it requires, if you want to be a healthy ass vegan and you want to be doing it for health reasons, then you need to be doing it properly. Environmentally, we'll get onto that in a minute. More benefits of being vegan. So generally, generally being vegan will lower your blood sugar and improve your kidney function and it will lower your glycemic variability. Glycemic variability has a great link to, I say great, it has a link to all-cause mortality increase. So more glycemic variability, glycemic variability just being spikes in blood sugar. Um, has been shown to have a little bit of a correlation to earlier deaths and and, and less ability to live, would you believe it? Um so I don't get scared. Don't get scared. Um, we just got to be considering of that glycemic variability, and it's actually a good, it's actually a good reasoning behind having whole meals. You know, three, four whole meals rather than just snacking all day because you've got that glycemic variability happening all day as you constantly spike food in and, and out. Um, so whole meals, um, but in general, um, the glycemic variability that you're going to get from a vegan product versus a non-vegan product is probably going to be less. 
um, just because of the process, just because it's probably less starchy, um, and, and just generally because it's probably not as not as impactful on incidents of spiking. Um, you also reduce your risk of cancer. Um, we know that legumes, um, c- you know, like a good intake of legumes per day can reduce your, your risk of colon cancer by nine to eighteen percent. That's a pretty decent. Um, it's a pretty decent stat. Now, that doesn't mean you need to give up meat and start eating legumes. It just means maybe you need to add legumes into your into your into your regime if they're not causing any GI stress. Um, in general, veganism will reduce inflammation. Um, and in general, you're going to hear me say in general because there's always exceptions to the rule. There's always people that are fucking it up. There's always people that are doing it amazing. Um, but in general, it's going to reduce your inflammation. However, there are plants, there are there are vegan products that will also cause inflammation. For example, spinach for me, I know that if I swapped all my vegetables to spinach, I would have massive amounts of inflammation. Green beans, a lot of people have uh, inflammation, inflammatory response to green beans. Um, and you've got to consider that in the wild, um, plants are fucking smart, right? But in the wild, how do plants fend off predators? How do they fend off and how do they keep their life cycle going? More often than not, it's poisons, and it's poisons in the plants, in the leaves, in the in the in the body of the plant, and and often if we're eating these, it can cause a little bit of irritation, which is why when we do look at diets and we look at vegetable intake and stuff, we will look at the actual types of vegetables and and the the colors, the starches, the grains, and and, and which ones are you eating, because you can have a predisposition to being intolerant to some. For example, I know that a lot of Western people will be intolerant to green beans versus Asian people. You know, same. You know, a lot of it will be genetic, but um, in general, a lot of things can cause inflammation from a vegan diet. But I would say, if you were to compare a non-vegan to vegan, you'd probably get less inflammation from the veganism, just because less inflammatory markers going up, um, less less shit in the food. If that makes sense. Like, of course, if you're buying Tesco value meat, like. I don't even want to know what's in that Tesco value meat in terms of like hormones and water and all this kind of stuff. You can imagine it's probably not that good for you. Um, but if you're having like vegetables, you're probably going to be all right. I don't think vegetables can hold as much pesticides and toxins as meat can. That's what that plucked out of Josh's fact book, which is not true. So don't quote me on that. But I, I can imagine that's probably the case. Um, in general, um, you will reduce your carbon footprint. However, this is a huge, huge argument of a lot of vegans is you need to reduce your meat consumption because of this, this, and this. I'm going to go ahead and say, fuck you. Um, Let's go look at all the cornfields. Let's go look at all the pesticides. Let's go see what you're doing to the ground. Let's go see what all these vegetables. And actually, it's probably a percent or less difference in the actual impact that farming meat would have on farming vegetables and stuff considering that it's the same agriculture used it's still the same fucking tractors and churned up and it's very very similar process in terms of the output and carbon footprint um i think it just becomes about the sustainability of the shitty foods and the shitty meats and the farm meats and the farm vegetables and wherever you can you know i think i think if you took like an organic homegrown vegetable and compared it to a a grass-fed reared steak i would say that the steak would be better for you Um, and it would have maybe maybe even have less impact on the environment you know or the impact on the environment would be very very minuscule it's when you start to creep over into the 
the processed foods, the shit foods, the cheaper foods, um, that inevitably you're going to be you're going to be coming back on quality and your and your your cleanliness of food, um, which which kind of makes sense, which kind of makes sense. So, I, I'm I'm not saying that if you eat meat, you're going to kill the planet. I'm not saying if you eat ve- if you vegan, you're going to kill the planet. I'm saying no matter what you eat, you're probably going to kill the planet. So just be conscious of what you're eating and where it's coming from and the sustainability of the sources and wherever you can make these little changes um, to kind of move your carbon footprint in the right direction. Because there's probably a vegan out there who uses more plastic bags than I do, you know, and I really, really don't use plastic bags at all. You know, how do you how do you compare my meat eating dieting and my meat eating lifestyle should i say compared to the vegan guy who maybe doesn't maybe he wears leather maybe he has plastic there's it's very hard to quantify who's doing more damage than who so i think anyone who's pointing a finger you know for example vegans you're a meat eater you're killing the planet like i don't think you have the ability to point the finger because we just don't have the quantitative data to be able to say this percentage does this this percentage does this because there's so many lifestyle factors I walk a lot, I don't drive as much, I make all my meals from scratch, I don't buy food out, you know, there's so many different things that comprehend to a carbon footprint that to solely rely on just meat and, and, and demonizing meat, I think is a bit silly, I think is a bit naive, um, but it shouldn't be overlooked because it's definitely a problem and, and even just reducing your meat consumption to one to three times a week versus every single day, we're talking like red meat, white meat. Um, can massively have it reduce your carbon footprint by like 50%. Um, so wherever you can, guys, throw in a vegetarian meal. You know, every every morning I have a vegetarian meal. I have egg whites every single morning, egg whites and oats. You know, it's a meatless meal, and, and, and it can um, play a part in reducing my carbon footprint, and, that, and that's the reality of it. Um, in general, vegan people are healthier. That's a statement for you. But here's why. Um, I don't think it's necessarily because the vegan diet is healthier. I just think that people who are looking towards veganism, who are looking towards vegetables, vegetables, um, are more health conscious. And they're more conscious of how they look, how they feel, the impact they're having on the planet. There's a lot of empathy there. um, And you can imagine that these empathetic health conscious people are probably going to be exercising a little bit more than the people who aren't probably going to be watching less telly than the people who aren't probably going to have a lot more outdoor stuff than people who who aren't and and trying to reduce their carbon in carbon footprint and whatnot so i'll say in general vegan people are healthier um and that would be because because of the mentality the culture the community that veganism brings a lot of it is health conscious and i I think that's an amazing thing as as part of veganism is, is being health conscious um, but often it gets overlooked for, I'm a vegan now, I'm healthier, you know, rather than like, no, 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 I'm a vegan now, let me see what I'm lacking in my diet, let me fix that. Um, so yeah. Um, in general, vegan people tend to be a little bit leaner, have lower body fat, lower BMI. Um, I think that just being vegan is more satiating, so it regulates your appetite a little bit better, your cravings will be reduced, um, and therefore your caloric intake just reduces. Um, a lot of these studies on like sleep, you know, poor sleep can increase body weight, Um, poor diet can increase body weight, it it doesn't directly increase body weight, what it does is it influences your hunger hormones, ghrelin and leptin, and it influences you to eat more, and to overeat, and to to have bigger portions, so that pushes your calorie intake higher, so whenever anyone says like, 
this diet will make you lose weight. No, no, this diet might make you more satiated. It might make you more satisfied after a meal. So then you don't want to have a dessert. And then you don't want to have a, an extra bit, an extra serving. If you think a 500 calories of vegetables versus 500 calories of meat, which one's going to fill you up more? The, the vegetables. So it kind of makes sense in that sense. So there's a lot of good benefits of being vegan. Um, I definitely think that... I definitely think that my ideal ideal nutritional protocol is probably going to be like 70 to 80 percent veganism um, just because i want to reduce the processed food i want to increase my vegetables my my fruits my fiber my micronutrients but i think there is such benefits in eating meat um namely because it's probably the most bioavailable micro micronutrient rich food that we can eat um it's probably one of the only unprocessed foods that we eat if we look at every single thing you put on a plate really it's only the meat that isn't processed these days um even though it still goes through a process like if you got a chicken breast if you got a steak kind of thing if you've got beef mince stuff obviously it's been processed but if you've got like a steak or a, or, or a chicken breast it's probably the least processed out of all the things on your plate if you look at like potato obviously if, you, if you're doing oven cooked stuff all that stuff's been processed anything that you just put in an oven in a microwave all that stuff's been processed you know so often when you take out the meat you take away the only thing that is processed that, that isn't processed out of your diet you know maybe you continue eating your chips and tomato ketchup because you're vegan and, and all this kind of stuff and and it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword um, when it comes to kind of me eating and, and health and bioavailability and all this kind of stuff. But in general, if you're eating meat, you're going to find that your creatine levels are higher, your iron levels are higher, your D3 omegas, DHEA levels are higher, and your B12 levels are higher, which are all absolutely paramount for cognitive function, for human function, for bio biofunction just to move and live and breathe as people we need these nutrients and they are inevitably lacking in a vegan diet so if you are a vegan and you're tired lethargic maybe you're low in iron um, maybe you're getting a little bit less power output in the gym maybe you're low on creatine um, maybe your skin your hair your nails isn't as good as what it was be that's probably your vitamin d and your omega mix going down you can imagine how hard it is to get the full complex of omegas um, 369 um, the d3s they're not directly available from from a lot of plants and you've got to really find either specialist vegan food that's fortified with b12 fortified with creatine d3 iron or you've got to outsource it and you've got to supplement it and and and, and my advice is to get a blood test and to get a check because you can you can literally check your whole vitamin minerals and, and health and well-being levels and just see where you are for example my vitamin d level uh eight months ago was really really high and i was supplementing every day so i just stopped i just stopped and i did it once twice a week and now i'm back into that level similarly for a vegan i imagine that'd be low so you could just you could just adjust your dose accordingly and just get a test every now and again and that would go for omegas, glutathione, anything like that um, that could be affected by your diet. I would recommend just getting checked if you're vegan, just so that you can be on top of anything. You know, being vegan requires planning compared to being an omnivore. If you're an omnivore, you can pretty much pick up and eat anything around um, and not have to worry about where it's coming from. And more often than not, if you've got a meat source in there, you're probably not going to be lacking in anything. However, if you're kind of out and about and you're vegan and you know, maybe you're walking downtown and the, the only place is open is a place where you can get some chips or, 
you know, a salad or, or you can't get your normal fortified foods and your hemp seeds and your flax seeds and whatever it is that you're getting your micronutrition from and your fats from, you're inevitably lacking and you're inevitably cutting yourself short in terms of micronutrition there. So it's really, really uh, difficult, I think, to plan a vegan diet, but it's not impossible. I just think people need to think about it when they're do it being vegan because they could be feeling way better. They could be doing things way, way better. So you've got to understand what kind of things come with a meat-eating diet. Replace or fortify them in your vegan diet. Um, Because, to be honest, not much is going to beat meat bioavailability-wise and micronutrition-wise if you've got an organic grass-fed rear steak and you compare it to pretty much any vegetable, pretty sure the steak's going to go down better, absorb better, um, and in general, be a little bit better. Um, obviously a vegan diet tends to lack in protein a little bit Um, I've got a few vegan clients so something you need to consider when you're consuming your protein would be to find complete proteins complete amino acids now we know that a full amino acid complex equals a full protein Um, for example um, if you take your rice and beans the however amino however amount of amino acids in the the rice versus the beans they complement each other and the the branch chain amino acids that are missing from rice are available in beans so if you combine the both you get a full amino acid complex however obviously with meat eating every single animal product has a complete amino acid source with leucine isovaline everything like that so you're really trying to get good doses of leucine if you're a vegan um and it's really, really easy. Honestly, it's really, really easy. Just Google um, vegan complete proteins. I was actually vegan for four months in 2016 now. I did four months of a bulk, uh, completely vegan. I didn't touch one animal product. And it was it was hard because it was a lot of food. It was like 4,000, 4,500 calories. Um, but it was pretty fine to get the protein in the end. You know, I used hemp shakes, vegan shakes with a complete amino acid complex. I always mixed rice and beans. I made sure I had uh, mixes of everything. You know, I had a lot of different omegas. I supplemented with actually non-vegan products to make sure I was getting the the right B12 and the right B6 uh, because I was doing it for a health purpose rather than the environment and and animal care reasons, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's just something that you need to think about. Something which was uh, pretty scary, pretty cool, which I don't know what you want to say, um, that I found when I was researching this podcast is that in America, if you take the entire lettuce industry and compare it to the pork industry. The lettuce industry has more damage to carbon footprint than the pork industry, which is crazy. Um, It was like an article that I read. I'll have to find it and put it in the show notes for you, but that that kind of scared me a little bit, just thinking, you know, people just think you can pick up some lettuce and you're already reducing your carbon footprint when it's worse than what pork would be. It's pretty, pretty mental. Um, I I think in general, if you were to to say, is veganism positive? Is veganism negative? Um, I don't think it's either, I just think it is. Um, I just think it is another diet. Is it gonna be the best diet that you could ever go on? No. Could it be? Yes. Um, I don't think there is one diet that fits all. I think there are diets that fit people. Um, I think in general, you could blanket statement people to eating 70 to 80% of your diet from plant-based food making sure you're getting one to two servings of meat per week, one to two servings of fish, high wild caught, high fat wild caught fish, grass-fed beef a week. Maybe that's 
500 grams of salmon a week, maybe that's 500 grams of steak a week. You know, it's only a kilo of meat a week, the rest of it vegetables. You know, making sure that you're supplementing right. Um, but in general, that might not even work for you. Um, at the end of the day, what makes you healthy, what makes you feel good is the best diet. What, what diet that you can adhere to is going to be the best diet. Um, there's so many things that you need to consider when you're looking at a diet. For example, imagine you're a girl and you have massive flow um, when you have your periods, massive, massive flow, but you're vegan and you can't replace the iron. You know, inevitably you're caught short and you'll put yourself in a, in a, in a worse position because you're, you're not adhering to what you personally need. So I think a lot of people get caught up in the moral issues, in the environmental issues, and they think this is for me, but they don't consider what's actually good for them, and they don't consider what's actually healthy for them, and they've got to consider that, is this going to keep me functioning next week? Is this going to make me feel good next week? Yes, I'm saving the planet. Yes, I'm saving the animals, but you're killing yourself, and, and you've got to kind of find that balance between two. Yes, there's a way you can tick all boxes, save the animals, save the planet, and be healthy. It just takes some planning. And I think that is probably one of the biggest negatives of, of veganism is it just takes some planning. But if you're serious about it, you're serious about your goals, you're serious about your motivation to being vegan, then it's not going to be a problem for you. Um, and I think that's something to, 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 to take and to, to understand through this, this little segment. So I'll touch a little bit on my opinion on the animal side. It's probably going to piss a lot of people off. Um... It's pretty fucking savage, to be honest. But I, I feel like we're apex predators for a reason. I feel like if any of these animals were as apex predators as us, they'd be doing the same thing. We've got 7 billion people in this world. We need to feed them. It seems to be pretty easy to do that with with animal products. Uh, we have the technology to reduce the carbon footprint. We have the ability to reduce the impact on the animals and give them the best life possible. Um, but I think first and foremost, we are super predators. We create laptops, we create cameras, we create cars. If we want to take what's ours and we want to eat, I, I personally don't see the problem with it. My only problem with it is, is just the lack of quality and the lack of sustainability. That's my only problem with it. In, in in my ideal world, I would honestly be in America and I would go out and hunt like an elk or a deer myself, and on, but genuinely, genuinely, and just cut that up and use that for the year. I swear to God, that's what I would do if I was here, but obviously we can't do that in England. So I do the best I can, buy things from you know butchers and, 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 and try and support the local community as much as I can. But inevitably, until the foundations of the meat trade the environment, the food trade, not even just the meat trade, until the foundations of the food trade change and they really fucking buck up their ideas, which I personally don't think they will because there's too much money involved. I just think it's so fucking hard. It's so difficult to, to eat how you want to eat. It's so expensive to eat how you want to eat. And you really, really, like if I want to eat how I want to eat, right? I want the best of the best, organic everything, grass-fed everything. It's going to cost me hundreds and hundreds a week. And it's just not sustainable for anyone. And it's crazy that the government has put, put us in this position where we can't eat how we want to eat because we need to be able to afford it. You know, like poor families can't be vegan. Do you know what I mean? You go in and you want to buy a meal for a vegan family. Say you've got five people, you're on welfare, you, you, whatever, minimum wage, whatever, big fucking household. You're trying to feed a five, 
family vegan food like that is hard you know you're going to be buying shitty food from the other from the from the uh, for the oven shitty food for the microwave you're not going to be buying fresh vegetables you're not going to be buying organic vegetables because it's so fucking expensive to make a meal whenever me and my girlfriend make like a nice meal we want some nice vegetables our meals cost like 12 pound and that's with meat you know not even to like bulk it up with loads of vegetables which you'll need to do with, with with veganism so it's such a problem that they've made vegetables which you literally put in the ground and wait to grow so expensive compared to meat and it's such a big problem and I really, really, really wish there was a solution. I hope there is a solution. I hope there will be a solution, but I don't really know. I don't really know. That's all I wanted to talk about, guys. I literally just wanted to talk about veganism, the benefits and the negatives of veganism, my opinion on it. And just if you are vegan, just some of the things that you need to consider. Um, it, you're doing an amazing thing. I think that things are really going to do well. Um, I think that, that veganism is an amazing thing to try. But you just got to be on top of everything else. And that's really it. And I just think that it's important to consider outside your box. Because if you're inside the vegan box, you get vegan, I don't say propaganda, but you get vegan advertising, which is very savage and doesn't take into account the other sides, you know, and there's definitely a middle ground that you can take. So that's all I want to talk about in terms of vegan. We're going to go on to some questions for the final 15 minutes or so of this, of this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it so far. Let's go into the questions. So first question, how did you approach telling your girlfriend, fam, friends about gear and how did they react? So I, I've been talking about steroids for a while in this game in general. Um, to my parents, to, to, well, to my mum really. I don't really speak to my dad too much about it. He, he, he's a little bit more ignorant about it. So I, I, I kind of mentioned it and, and it's been a few years that I've been talking about it, but I personally don't think there's any point in, in making that leap unless you're unless you're in that position where you can see the potential, you can see the, yeah, I can fucking do this, and you've got that little lurk in you, and, and then you can kind of make that decision. So I was in Venice with my mum, and I was talking about it being really, really serious, and I thought, you know, I want this so bad, mum, and da-da-da-da, and, and, and she kind of just sat back. You know, my mum's 65 years old, and she's lived her life. She's made some amazing memories, and, and, and the one thing she said to me is just you've got one life, you've got to live it, you're going to regret it if you don't. Or she said, don't live it with regrets. And, and it kind of rang true with me at the time, and I thought, yeah, all right, so I can do it then. Uh, my girlfriend was, was very, very supportive. She supports the dream, which is all it's about. Um, and it's just about being able to support each other in that dream. And I think when you find someone who... When you find your someone, your person... It's unconditional. It's 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 your your goals are my goals. My goals are your goals. Our goals are together, um, and that's how it was. And it was really really good. Um, yeah, I was lucky. I'm very very lucky. It's it's much much harder um, for other people. Any plans of going to classic after your bulk? Um, a lot of it just depends how big I can get. Uh, my my initial goal is still going to be men's physique. I want to get that pro card first. The men's physique is 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 it's fucking difficult as it is. Like the size is already a problem in men's physique. Um, for classic, you know, I'm 88 kilos. I think I can be 97 on stage. So I'm still eight kilos under where I need to be in terms of classic, or not where I need to be, but where other people on stage would be. So I've got to be considerate the fact that I'll be a small fucking dude on stage. I might look good on pictures and, 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 and Instagram and adding a bit of structure and the perfect lighting. You've got to remember everything is perfect lighting. I've, I've screenshotted it. It's the perfect, you know, these guys are fucking massive in person. 
Um, it's all good me doing my little side shot with my big thick arm, but as soon as I stand to the front, it's a little bit different. So um, a lot of it depends how big I can get, dude. Thoughts on cold therapy and the effects of hypertrophy recovery. So I personally wouldn't cold therapy post-workout because we know it's going to massively reduce inflammation. We know that inflammation can be positive and is a inflammatory signal to elicit a response to adapt. Now, in terms of hypertrophy, we create inflammation in the area. We tell the body we need to recover. We send a load of blood and nutrients to the area. We repair better. Now, if we had cold therapy straight after a workout, we immediately inhibit that inflammation to take place. Um, we immediately put ourselves in a position where we reduce that inflammation, but we need that positive inflammation, which is why I tell all my clients, no vitamins, no minerals, no anti-inflammatories, three to four hours either side of the workout window, because we need that inflammation for that positive response. Um, so no anti-inflammatories post-workout. However, away from the workout window, there is a lot of good research into cold therapy to improve your vasculature, to improve your immune system. Um, if you think when you get into a cold bath, every single vein, artery, capillary constricts. As soon as you get out, it it relaxes and that constricting and relaxing. It's the same thing as exercising a muscle. You know, you're exercising your vasculature, you're getting better at vasculature. Something that Wim Hof, um, the Iceman, talks about is the ability to manipulate your vasculature. You can just direct blood flow wherever um, and, and just really focus on staying warm and, 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 and that cold shock therapy is supposed to be amazing for for heat shock, uh, sorry, for cold shock proteins and, and everything around those that can really reduce inflammation um, and it can actually increase your lifespan from what I've read. So yeah, I would, would be a fan. Pre-workout meal timing. For me, I always go for 90 minutes plus. Um, full digestion of a meal will take about two to three hours. Um, so if you're going in like after like half an hour, 45 minutes, you're not even touching the sides on that. You're not even... You're not even utilizing that food. So I would generally always wait 90 minutes, two hours, um, and I'd get into the gym. Um, and, and sauces, I would go for something simple, easy, digestible, like something rice-based, away, you know, chicken, easy. I would not I would stay away from anything that could potentially bloat you, like oats, but if you're fine with oats, then I, I wouldn't worry at all. How did it feel seeing a physique change so drastically going from natural to enhanced? It was honestly crazy. Spending 10 or well, 8 years building my physique naturally and seeing how slow it happens to then see how fast that this happens, it was crazy. Honestly, I, I was flabbergasted to see what happened and, and, and how it happened and, and to think it was such a low dose to start. I just think if I'd started on a high dose, I would have just been like, what is going on here? Um, it's absolutely crazy, but very, very interesting to see. If you can only have one meal for the rest of your life, what am I picking? Sushi, because you can have sashimi, sushi, tempura, all these different ones. you got to think tactically. Fertility after years of steroids, chance of natural test levels coming back. I personally think if you use exogenous hormone, you may never recover back to your normal levels ever again, personally. I think from what I've seen from people, from even people that have like dabbled with like Anavar when they were like 17 or whatever, you know, when they were really, really ignorant... I see those guys of low testosterone now, you know, and I would say that you probably will never recover. In terms of fertility, very, very genetic dependent. Ronnie Coleman had all his kids on cycle. Doreen Yates had his kids on cycle. Some people never had kids again. It's very, very person dependent, but the moment that you put that needle in your bum may be the moment that you 
never have kids ever again or have the ability to have kids ever again question about creatine is it effective is it a waste of money so creatine is probably the only supplement i would say you need in your in your diet um if we think about the energy production system we have adenosine triphosphate which we use initially adenosine will break up into a triphosphate molecule the phosphate molecule will bind to a creatine molecule the creatine phosphate molecule will then break again creating every time the energy bonds break we create energy um, if you've got an abundance of creatine we have more creatine to attach to the phosphate molecule that is separating from the adenosine triphosphate which then creates more energy. So you've got a surplus in creatine to bind to the phosphate molecule, which then gives you more energy and more output essentially down the line. There's also a little bit of interesting research into methylation um, and, and just a lot of good benefits in terms of creatine. So just Google creatine methylation, just have a little read because it's really, really interesting and, and it would be something that I would 100% you guys recommend to take across the board. No loading phase, just five grams a day. Don't worry about the loading phase. It was a marketing gimmick by by people trying to essentially just trying to make you fucking have 20 grams a day for a week so then you have to buy another tub, tub in two weeks once you're saturated with creatine you can just take it on a training day and you're going to have surplus of that over over a few weeks anyway probably take two or three weeks to get saturated with creatine and then you just take it on your training days and you're going to be absolutely fine across the board we'll go into the final few questions um best macro calculator your best macro calculator is literally just your current macros and then just go up or go down if you're not counting macros right now let's just use the equations so 2 to 2.25 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight um you go for anywhere between 30 to 50 to 60 grams of, of fat and then the rest would be carbohydrates and all i would do is just pick pick a random amount of calories say like 3,000, weigh yourself every day for a week visually look at yourself every day for a week see what happens with your visuals if you get fatter and you're trying to lose weight you know you're eating too much if you're losing weight but you're trying to gain weight you know you're eating too little there's no way to guess the maintenance maintenance changes every day maintenance is based off how much you do a day if you do 10,000 steps one day 5,000 steps another day your maintenance changes for the day so there's no way to work out maintenance so instead what you need to do is to focus on weighing yourself over the week weighing yourself over um, a period of time taking in the data and then making any decisions from there um, rather than just saying these macros are the ones uh, are they bang on when do you know if you fit your genetic limit i personally don't think the genetic limit is like th that reachable um, i think to reach it you've got to be the most relentless motherfucker in the world for like 20 years um, for example watch aj morris in 10 years he will reach his genetic potential most people don't have the balls, don't have the nutsack, don't have the commitment to reach their genetic potential. So I wouldn't even worry. A lot of people just say, oh, I'm not getting any bigger. This is my genetic potential. No, 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 no. You ain't training hard enough. You ain't eating hard enough. You're not recovering hard enough. Um, I think genetic potential for a natural person, start training when you're 16, genetic potential maybe when you're 40. You know, 25 years of graft in the gym, 30 years of graft in the gym, but not many people can put that in. So until you've done that, I wouldn't even worry about your genetic potential at all. Um, and I'm going to leave the podcast there, dudes and dudettes. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I have a busy day ahead of me. It's 9.36. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to comment. Oh, this is not YouTube. Please leave a review. Let me know what you think. And I'll speak to you soon, guys. Peace.